Welcome to the Building to Scale podcast, where we bring real entrepreneur stories that showcase the challenges and successes in building and scaling an entrepreneurial business. Our host, Jeff Chastain, is a business transformation coach with Admentis, where he coaches business leaders and their teams with a proven set of principles and tools helping them gain clarity in and get more of what they want from their business. Make sure to stick around until the end of the show, and we will reveal how you can become our next guest. Welcome, everybody. Jeff Chastain here with the Building to Scale podcast again, where, as always, just get the opportunity to talk with different entrepreneurs, different business leaders in really different areas of their business, different life stages of their business. So, Today with me, I've got Ann Brennan out of uh, ASMM Digital. So it's digital marketing agency up in Maryland, I believe, Ann? Yeah, absolutely. Right outside of Baltimore. Okay. So welcome on board. Thank you for taking a few minutes. We actually met, uh, I think we were talking probably about three months ago or so through your podcast. So kind of exchanging views here a little bit. Yeah, I I love when we get that opportunity to do that. Yeah. So... Tell me a little bit more or talk our listeners a little bit more, refresh my memory here on what you got going on with there with the, the marketing agency and how things have been going with that. Yeah, so we're a digital marketing agency and we focus on social media marketing because it's such a huge part of our lives these days. We're always on our phones, right? So we help small businesses be seen, but we do it in a really unique way. The idea behind what we do is we create social media posts but we come back and we become them online. So people will call me and they'll say, Anne, I don't remember saying this thing. I don't remember doing this, but it certainly sounds like me. And we're like, yes, we've been com- we've been having that conversation with your customer. We become almost your customer service person through social media. And we're creating these relationships and building communities through your brand. We're out there looking for people who will become your brand ambassadors for your, your company. That, that's the biggest part of what we do. There's SEO involved, there's website design, but that social media part, that's what really makes us stand apart. Well, it's, it's that, but I, I like the fact that you're actually taking it a step further and saying, okay, instead of just blasting content out there, like you said, you're, you're engaging more of the conversational wise. It's, I, I keep coming back to it now just because I love the story. There was a lawyer actually had a po- on the podcast here not too far back that said basically the point at which he, his law firm took off was the point at which he quit treating it like a hot dog stand where it's only out there when he's there and started treating it more like a restaurant. So the fact that it kind of goes back to what we were talking about off the air before we got on is like, okay, if I can hand over that piece to you, hand over that system to you and actually have you run it still as me, still have it come across as my business right there, it just frees up the the business owner to go be the expert in legal or the expert in, in technology or whatever they're going to be still having this marketing arm out there. That's a lot more than just saying, Hey, we're going to broadcast out a newsletter or a few posts for you. Absolutely. Yeah. And we take it really personally. Actually, we do this thing that for the longest time, it took us a long time to get people to understand where the value is. We do this thing we call Anne's unsolicited advice. And one of our clients said to us, Oh no, we're just going to call it AUA. It's AUA. And the idea behind it is that, yes, we do your social media. Yes, we do your uh, SEO and and all your marketing. But we're also looking for these extra opportunities to introduce you to people and to do more. And people think they they say to us, it's really like having an in-house marketing company. 
because we get to know your business so well that we know exactly who you need to meet. It's not unusual for us to say, hey, we just we have a new client for you. And they're like, oh, did you get them through social media? No, we met them and we've gotten to know you so well that we went ahead and sold your product. So it's really not unusual for our team to do that sort of thing because we do, we say we're a group of moms. I, I've hired all moms and we care about you like we care about our kids. So we treat you the same way. No, that's, that's fun and for sure, because it's that's to me one of the biggest struggles in, in getting into business early stages, especially that most entrepreneurs are kind of the expert in their lane. Like I was saying earlier, they're the expert in technology or the expert in legal or whatever. And you get into business and all of a sudden, wait a minute, I got to do sales and marketing. I got to do finance on the back end. And that's where that, that struggle really turns into. So if you can find that partnership relationship like you're talking about, where it's like, okay, we can, somebody else can handle that marketing. To me, that's, that's obviously, like I was saying earlier, that's one of the keys to be able to really grow a business. But it's it's so hard that I've, I've run into so many people or talked to so many people. It's like, even with the marketing side, hey, we're just going to blast out some posts or we'll do your newsletter. We'll, we'll, we'll put you together a website. But it's like, okay, just putting a website online or just sticking a few posts on social media, you know, it doesn't, doesn't get much results for sure. Right, exactly. Well, and you know, you said that. So the two areas that I think of with small businesses that they need to and don't hire right away. They need to hire a, a bookkeeper, somebody who's going to send out invoices and make sure they're getting paid, which was my problem when I began. I, I worked for a long time without getting paid because I kept forgetting to look and see if they were paying me. Um, but the other part is your IT, right? How much time do you spend arguing with your printer because it's not connecting to your computer? You know, or how many, how much time as the CEO of the business, an employee calls me and says, I can't get this thing to work. And here I am trying to help them. Why would I do that? Why not hire an a IT company who can come in and take care of me on a monthly basis so that I don't have to worry about it? It saves me time, saves me money and saves me problems. So it, it yeah, does, th and those are the two areas. Yeah, no. And it's, and it's for that matter, it's areas outside of your expertise that I, I doubt right. you've necessarily got a an IT support background right there as to how do you troubleshoot Windows or Mac or whatever the case may be kind of a thing. Exactly. Turn it off, turn it back on. That's the extent of my knowledge. <laughs> and the reality is that works a lot of times, but still, no, I, I remember <laughs> my background was in the IT side, but the other side of it, and I think it applies here to your marketing side as well, is that you've got to almost elevate that that up, that that expertise up, that it needs they need to know we were talking, I was talking with somebody else the other day that I'm from the IT side. It's not a case of, hey, we're going to go out and buy a new business or buy a new product line tomorrow. And oh, yeah, don't forget to tell the IT guy that we just doubled in size today kind of a thing. It's like they need to be on board knowing that, OK, what's the bigger picture? What's the bigger plan? Same kind of thing with marketing that you don't want to sit there and you need to be have a seat at the lead table to understand what's really going on and not just be that transactional relationship because when you turn the transactional relationship it's just you're not you're losing a lot of your value at that point if you just treat it that way yeah absolutely so one of the things we just started and it, it again came about almost by accident for us is people have gotten to trust us for a long time they've, they've realized how much we know their business and so we've had a couple of clients actually three different clients recently call us and say now, could you talk to this company who does this portion of my marketing and this person who does this portion of my marketing? Because I'm not sure you guys all know what the other's doing. And I don't really want to talk to them. I want to talk to you. And so I've become their CMO, basically. Yeah. 
uh, and helping them pull it all together. You know, some people will come in, they've already got an SEO person, they've already got a website person, and they're all separate. Mm-hmm. And we can pull it together and work together to help them with that. So, so having that person on your team, that's not just a vendor, you know, having somebody you can call who, who's going to say, yes, I can step into that role for you. I can take yeah. it over for you. And I, and I think that's, that's key because otherwise you, the entrepreneur, you're the one sitting there trying to direct traffic, basically. If, hey, hey, make sure all three of these are in line. Make sure everybody's doing the same thing. Hey, we got the right launch date for the website and the social media and everything else all at the same time. And one, something will get dropped in the car accident, if nothing else. But two, it's it's very rarely on the same page with the, the messaging and things like that. It's like, okay, why are you spending time being traffic cop over that when that's not, again, not your lane of expertise? Why are you spending right. time with that? And you could be doing something that really is bringing in, you, bringing in money for you right now. In addition yeah. to your marketing, right? You've got your marketing bringing in money. So you go out and do the networking or you go out and run the business, whatever it is you need to do. So backtracking a little bit, not definitely enjoy that, but backtracking a little bit kind of on your story. What was, how did you get into deciding to build on say, I think we said about five years ago now, the, the marketing firm, how did you, what was the, the catalyst for saying, hey, we're going to go build a new firm here? Yeah, you know, I was working I had a I had a really long time of trying to find my way. Uh, I had a blog that was really popular. It was called Anne's Running Commentary. I think it's out there somewhere. You can go read it. And then I had people who would call me and say, hey, can you help me with my social media? Because yours is doing so well with this blog. It's really cool. And so I helped them, but I never really asked for money on it. And then uh, I got... <laughs> In some ways, I got lucky. We had this really horrible time. We have a child who had really bad depression. And for, for about three years, it, we were struggling to keep this child alive. And he's, he's doing really well right now. We actually started a charity for it. But in the process, while it was going on, I was working from home and I found myself getting depressed. You know, all I could do is worry about my child. And so I thought I'm going to go and I'm going to work at a running shoe store of all things. I'm going to work at a running shoe store. And I did. And they said they had multiple locations. They said, why don't you just do our social media? Why don't you be our marketing director? And they would throw more and more things at me so that I wasn't just doing social media. I was doing their email marketing, their websites, and I was doing their events. And um, But it was not a happy environment. My husband finally said, why don't you start a business? And I'm going to be really honest. I was, I said, okay, I'll get a couple of clients. And I did. I got two clients before I even started the business. I'll get a couple of clients. I'll put together a resume and I'll look for a real job. And that was five years ago. <laughs> so it became a real job. No, that's, that's fun. But no, it's, it's interesting. You mentioned with the running, the running company about the, the idea of the culture kind of a thing, because that's a lot of what I'm typically trying to work with companies on is defining out what that culture is, make sure that there's a, a purpose really beyond just a job, beyond just a work, because you want people to want to come to work. You want people to come, want to come be a part of your company there and not just do it for a paycheck, because if it's not the right culture fit, then you're going to end up driving them off or they're going to end up getting an offer better, $5 an hour more kind of a thing somewhere else and, and be leaving you at that point. So it's kind of interesting. You, you mentioned that one, cause that's, I see too many, too many companies kind of skip on that part or skimp there. And it's, it comes back to bite you a lot of times. Yeah. Well, you know, and I think it's, it's, I've, you know, I have a podcast and a lot of the people I've interviewed recently, when I, when I dig deep, what I find there's so much about what we do as a business owner, that's about self-awareness. And if you don't have that self-awareness, 
there's a problem. So the person I was working with, I would, I very honest, I'm very straightforward. I think I told you my, my two core values are gratitude and authenticity. So authenticity is really important to me. So I would say to him, Hey, you really need to stay in the back room. You're not good for your brand. But the truth is he also wasn't good for as an, you know, with his employees, he had some, he was rough around the edges and it's important for you to be able to see that. And he was, when I mentioned that to him, when I said, you really shouldn't be out with customers. This is not your strong suit. He went, yeah, you're right. You know, accounting and this end, this is really where I am. And it, it worked, that part worked out for him, but he still had to deal with employees. And that was, that was hard. It was not going well for him. Yeah. But it's still, even with that, because you can always find other people that match your personality that fit well with your personality kind of a thing. So it's not necessarily, I think very few people are really truly not cut out for, for managing or for employees kind of a thing, but you got to find the right people, the right group together that you can't just randomly slap a handful of people say that. Cause I, I see that so many times in the hiring process. We were talking about that before is how do you hire employees? How do you identify the cultural fit's got to be at least half of it, if not more. It's like skills you can train for most people, but you've got to have the cultural fit there that if you if you bring in somebody, I was I heard a story or whatever that it was a, a an energy company, kind of oil company, and then we're gonna hire in a, a new VP of operations here that's very environmentally friendly. It's like, okay, stereotypically this just doesn't match. We're going different directions. Why, why would why would you want to come join that company or why would you want to hire that person? That's just you look at that kind of diametrically opposed views potentially. And it's like, okay, this is not necessarily a good fit. You're, you're starting off with an issue right there. Whereas if you can find somebody, if you are a, a green friendly organic grocery company, then yes, of course we want to hire somebody that also believes in green organics and the environment and things like that to promote the mission beyond just selling groceries kind of an idea. Right. So I have a quick, let me, I'm going to turn the tables just a minute. Okay. So uh, I, I have a question for you. What do you think about the, you know, the personality tests and, you know, other tests along those lines for finding that, that per, bit of culture? It's, they definitely have their place. Um, there's so many different ones is the problem and they're, they're very different, but it's, I would say it definitely has its place in just another data point in being in the overall picture, but you've got to be careful with them. I know, my personal experience with DISC, I know a lot of people swear by DISC, but my personal experience with DISC is you can almost kind of game the system to say, hey, I know this is what they're looking for. So that slants the way I answers the questions versus I've seen, I haven't had near as much experience with like culture index or predictive index, but I've heard that they're uh, more immune to that kind of a thing there. But so you've always got to keep that in mind as to, okay, did they really answer the questions with the job description in mind? Did they answer the questions based upon a bad day in their life or just a bad time in their life kind of a thing. Cause that tends to change. I know my disc profile has changed over the years several times, right. but it's, it's exactly. one of those. So it's kind of a, I think it's definitely a useful data point. And I, I actually encourage clients to use that as one piece of it, but it's not, it shouldn't be the, this whole thing for sure. It's oh, yeah, that matter. No. I, I pull disc profiles. I've got a, a, a plugin into LinkedIn where I can see disc profiles for people before I go talk to them just to, I know, Roughly yeah. based upon your social media and what you post online is, to, okay, which which direction are you more the dominant person? Are you more the, the conscientious person to be talking to? So it's, I think they've definitely got their place, but I wouldn't solely rely on them. That makes sense. Yeah. You know, one of the, we started using them when we realized that we had four type A personalities in our office. And we are, a, we were, at the time we were a four person office. 
Uh, and, and that's hard. It's, it's kind of nice to have a couple of laid back people who are going to help you stay laid back. Right. Um, so it, we started using it at that point because we thought, yeah, you know, we should the next person we hire should have a little less of that type A personality. <laughs> I'd say that for sure. But even still, it, it, I, to me, it works from a management perspective, because a lot of times we'll look at it and say, OK, this person's just not working out. Well, is it are they not working out because they don't have the skills? Are they not working out because they don't understand what's going on? Or are they not working out because it's a personality something between the manager and the employee that right. you're the type A, you expect them to be type A as well, but they're they're the laid back person and it just doesn't mesh for whatever reason with your personality that it's just not the expectations there. So if you can have that kind of understanding of, okay, they are more the laid back personality, let's, I know I need to either back off myself or I need to give a little bit more set clear expectations here as to, okay, when's this due or what I expect of you kind of a thing there. And then trust that you're going to get it done, even though you may not jump on it right away. It's things like that, that just a lot of times will help you understand your team that you've already got a lot better. Yeah. That's exactly what I think. That's exactly how I feel about it. So you just, you just need, we're not all going to be the same. We really aren't. Even if you're all type A personalities, oh, yeah. figuring out in what way you're a type A personality. So I'm not a type A in that things have to be perfect, but I am in the in the idea that we have to do well. We have to succeed, right? And so once you realize, sometimes you'll get you'll get really frustrated with somebody, and then wait and kind of back yourself out. And that self-awareness comes in again. Mm -hmm. Well, how much of this is them, and how much of it is really my personality not understanding their personality? So, and, and yeah, as, like, an, as a CEO, you have to, you have to do that. You have to try to figure out what that is because training new people is hard. <laughs> it's difficult and it's costly. Yeah. It, it's, it it's takes costly, a lot yeah. to train somebody, get them on board, get them up to speed, et cetera. So one, you want to make the hire on the right in the first place, but two, make sure that you're understanding the picture as to what's really going on here rather than just, Hey, throw your hands up and give up real quick kind of a thing. Exactly. Exactly. That's, to me, that's that's usually one of the keys for a, a company that, okay, yeah, we, we need to sit down and have a talk is when there's a lot of employee turnover, because a lot of times that's either saying, go back to the running shoe company that, okay, this the, there's something at the management level that the employees are not working with, or there's some other issue that there's there's too much people turnover right. kind of a thing for something, for things being working right, right there for sure. Yeah, absolutely. So I'm curious Turn this a little bit different direction real quick. Um, we were talking about systems and stuff early on in the conversation when we first got on. At the same time, I have people, anytime I'm talking with talking to people or business owners about systems, they always look at that and say, well, that's that's limiting on my business. And especially in being kind of a creative business, they say, well, we need, we need our, our marketers, our designers, our graphic designers, whatever, to have open creativity. If we start putting processes and systems around it, it, it limits their creativity and it doesn't work. So I'm Curious what's your what's your outlook, what's your view is on that being five years into a, a creative agency? Process is everything. <laughs> okay, good. <laughs> Process is everything. And actually, if if we were on video, I'd have been banging my head into the desk because yes, I hear that all the time. And I think I, I get it, but I'm a creative person too. And there's a process. And we can we can let your creative juices flow within this process. Because things have to get out there. I have deadlines. De we're living by deadlines. So if I don't have things in order so that if something happens, and we're a small company, right? Um, we, had a, we had a member of our staff get COVID two weeks ago. That's okay. It was all right. She took two weeks off and that was okay because we knew exactly what she does. We've got processes in place to step in. I had six weeks off 
in January and February because I had back surgery. My team stepped in. They know exactly how I do my job. So we were able to survive based on processes. Processes are everything. I, I just, I can't say it enough. It's so, so very important. Yeah, and it's, so I'm curious, diving in a little bit deeper into that, what, is, what, what does process look like in, in your mindset? So it's each of us has, we, we've broken down each of our jobs and we've said, you know, this is how we do it. So, to, you know, take creative, for example, we want to have our clients out three months in advance because we want to know what they're doing in three months so we can really create campaigns that work for them. Well, that means sitting down, coming up with the campaigns, coming up with what the graphics look like. First, we always want to know what that graphic looks like because that guides what the copy is going to look like. And then how are we going to put that out there? And is there anything else we're going to tie it in with? So there's this whole step of process. If you think about, go back to onboarding. We onboard a client. When we onboard them, I always say, what's going to happen next? I say, what's going to happen next? We're going to send you over a contract. We're going to send you over a payment form. And then once you send those back, we're going to send you over an onboarding sheet. You're gonna go through that. Once you send that back, we're gonna sit down with our entire team and have a branding meeting that'll last about an hour and a half. And that's where we get to know you inside and out. And you're gonna learn a lot about yourself in there. So that's our first process with our client, right? But each of our jobs has separate processes in place for each of the different areas that we're covering. So that if I wanna break out right now, my CEO, I'm the CEO, but I'm also the CFO and I'm the CMO, right? And so I have jobs for each of those. And if I want to say, okay, now I'm going to hire my CFO, here's that process, right? And help me refine it because now you're really the expert here. You help me refine it so that we make it perfect so that the next CFO who's going to step in will have that. Right. So that's for me, that's what processes mean is that I can, I can have somebody step into a role because we've got it laid out for them. That doesn't mean it's stuck. I want to learn and improve, but it's there. It's it's that, and like you said, you're hiring them on for their expertise in that area. So saying, hey, help me improve this, but you've already got the framework laid out for at least what we're currently doing today from a financial standpoint of collecting the money, make sure you're actually getting paid and things like that. But that, to me, I've seen it, and granted, that was my own story 10 plus years ago with a different firm was, I didn't know anything about sales. So we're going to hire on just this expert sales guy and he's going to go figure everything out and take everything from ground up. And it didn't work out well at all. It it was a colossal failure kind of a thing there. But to me, I look back at that and say, a lot of that's because we didn't at least have some framework. You don't have to be the expert, but some framework say, okay, what does sales look like? Or what, what does finance look like in your case? And the other side of it, just to your point of saying, yeah, I'm wearing three hats. It, because you've got it processes around, you know, okay, I can easily switch between hats. I know I can switch over here. I need to do A, B, and C, and you've got it documented out. So yeah, to me, that's, it goes back to the comment I made early on from the, the lawyers saying, okay, the point at which we went from being a hot dog cart where I'm the only one out there doing it, I'm the only one that can do it. We're only making money when the cart's out on the corner to actually running the restaurant saying, hey, I'm the owner of the restaurant. We've got processes in place for how the front office or the front staff works, the the, the line cook, et cetera, works. And I can step back and run that. That's to me, that's the, the only way a business really ever grows because otherwise you're sitting there strangling it yourself 
Yeah, absolutely. Yourself. And you just can't do that. And it, it was um, when, when we first started this business and about eight months in, my husband asked me my goals. And I was like, well, I think, you know, this is how much I'm hoping to make. And, and he's like, you don't want to do more than that. I'm like, well, I, there's only so much of me. And he's, and I, it was two months after that, that I hired Anastasia. Right. And I was like, oh, okay, I see where we can go. And that's when we, and she was really key for me. If you find an employee who can do this for you, the first thing she said when I hired her is, well, what happens when we hire the next person? Right. So let's put this in place so that when we hire that next person, just like light bulb, you know, it was like, oh, yeah, look at that. Look where we can go from here. So, and that's everything we do goes, we ask that question. What happens when we hire those next people? Yeah, no, to me, that's honestly, that's, that's the best kind of client that I love working with. That's forward looking. Cause too often I, I get the ones that are, they're already sinking. They're already fighting fires. And it's like, okay, now we've got to go back and clean up. Now we got to start putting the processes and stuff in place. But the ones that are really looking forward to saying, okay, let's put the processes in place. So when I hire the CFO, we've got things lined up for them. Those are to me, those are the most fun because you're you're thinking forward that much. It's it's looking forward in business, which to me again, you you have to right there. That's that's the true entrepreneur kind of mindset is to always got the goals, always got the vision in front, and now we're working towards that. How do we get there? Right, exactly, exactly. So curious, taking it that that step further, kind of what's what's the next steps or what's the goals for for ASM right now? Five years into it. So well, I think next steps for us really are we we've gotten it set up now to where we know what our departments really are going to be as we grow, right? And so we're working on creating a a bigger creative team because right now we're all, when it comes down to it, we're all on the creative team and we're, we're looking at breaking that out and, and, and bringing on more clients. Uh, The truth is, as I'm doing that, I'm also looking at my pricing. So, right. And that's, this is where I realized that I'm having an issue. So I'm, I'm holding this back just a little bit so I can pull forward on this pricing. Let's change the pricing so that we're getting higher value clients so that I can afford to bring in a bigger creative team that can do more and more and more for our clients. So that's, yeah. that's the, that's where we are right now. I, I think I'm, I've got big plans. I, I, I have really big plans. I actually had somebody reach out recently to try to buy the business. Uh, that's the first time that's happened. Yeah. And so it gave me that little push to say, not yet, but I bet I can, you know, in the next 10 years, you know, I bet I'll, I will in the next 10 years sell this yeah. business because I'll have it set up in a way that it's irresistible. Well, it's that. And I, I like the, again, the forward looking towards it already, because that's one thing I always look at with most entrepreneurs. I, I was talking with a, a business exit coach the other day. He says, yeah, most of the time, what you picture is the guy on the side of the highway backing up because he missed his exit at that point. That's most entrepreneurs don't think about the exit side of the business. And once you start, you come up today and say, Hey, I'm going to sell in a year. You're too late at that point. And if you can start thinking about it five, 10 years and really start building the systems, building out the structure of the business to where it's got more value than you. But yeah, the fact that you've already, already had somebody interested in it, shows you got something going there for sure and something that somebody would want. And now it's just a matter of increasing the value of it even more. Yeah. Well, and it, and it felt nice. It was one of those, it's, it's you know, it's, it's like a, a guy asks me out and I'm married, but you know, it's kind of felt nice that you asked me out anyway. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so, don't tell my husband that. Don't mention that one yet. But no, it really is. It's, it's validation of the idea. And that's, 
so many times and I'll find it even my own practice kind of stuff. You start kind of questioning yourself, question the what's going on. Okay. Is, are we really doing this right? Are we going down the right path and having that outside validation, even outside of your team kind of a thing. I'll push a lot of times like, okay, go find some prospective customers, go find your networking or whatever. Don't just talk to your internal team because you're, you're getting your own message probably parroted right back at you at that point. Yes. Yeah. Yeah, I think it's so important to look outside. And I just I, I started putting together an advisory board for myself last night. Um, and that was that's part of it is that I want some people who aren't I have a lot of cheerleaders. I think I'm really, really lucky that I have a lot of cheerleaders. But I need some people who are like, yeah, but Anne, you know, how great are you really? <laughs> you know, and let's let's see what's going on here. Because if I don't have anybody who's doing that, if I only have yes men, then I'm not gonna grow. And I, and I need that. So, yeah, no, there's definite truth to it because the cheer, you need the cheerleaders there. You need the the push there. But at the same time, I was talking with a, another guest on the podcast was talking about having a board of directors that it was just kind of that answer to it makes you almost go back and think about every decision. OK, yes, we want to go out and buy a new printer. Or we want to go out and buy a new piece of machinery for the, the shop or whatever. But now if I've got to go answer to somebody else and pitch them is, OK, this is why we need to go spend a million dollars on this new piece of uh, machinery. You almost got to double things. OK, is this really the best use of funds? Is this the best way to do things? Whereas, again, if you've got all cheerleaders kind of a thing, everybody says, yeah, your idea is great. And it may not be the best use. Right. You want them to at least push back, push back yeah. a little bit. Let me know. You know, give me give me at least I mean, and I may say, well, I'm, I want to do it anyway. Right. But at least I've had that opportunity to to question it. And that's that's what I'm looking for in a uh, advisory board. Yeah. No, and I think that's that's important. Whether it's whether it's a full board or just outside coaches, a lot of times that's what I bring to the table is just kind of that outside accountability to say, okay, why, why, why didn't you meet your numbers last year or last month? Kind of a thing there, just to ask and have those questions. Cause that's that's something that a lot of people don't have. And I really feel like it's critical that you do need it for sure. Yeah. You know, I was, I, I, um, I love that you said the coaching thing because I was listening to a podcast and I, the big, it was a big, um, Michael Hyatt. And he talked about when he was working with uh, the publishing company and this one, he had a coach and he was talking to her and, and she says, you didn't meet your goals last year. He says, yeah, it was 2008. I mean, 2008, you know, the world was imploding and this was happening. And, 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 and he gave her all these excuses and he, she says, but they were your goals and this is your department. And at first he was mad. And then he went, wait a second, what could I have done better? Right. And so you do need that coach. I work with, I work with a a business coach. I work with a life coach. I work with different people who will challenge me in different ways because, you know, you just, you just don't know, or give you, you know, kind of push you to come up with the idea. Right. I just, I had a wonderful conversation with my life coach because I was, I talk, I have a podcast for crying out loud. So I talk for a living. This is what I do. But since COVID, I haven't been on a stage in a long time uh-huh. and I've had several opportunities come. And as they came, I realized I was talking faster and faster and faster throughout the, the, the speech. And I was like, what is happening to me? I don't understand. And all she said, it was honest to God. The only thing she said to me is, Anne, what are your core values? And I thought about it and I was like, well, authenticity. And I'm always real up there no matter what and gratitude. So the only thing I've changed is that I now start every presentation with 
thank you so much for coming here and a little bit of authenticity. So yesterday I had a presentation with the Better Business Bureau. I said, thank you so much for having me here. And honestly, I was so scared nobody would show up. I really appreciate you guys showing up, <laughs> right? And that was true. I was absolutely yeah. afraid nobody was going to show up. So, yeah. um, but, it, but, but I wouldn't have done that on my own. I would have kept spinning my wheels to go, what's wrong with me? What am I doing wrong? What's wrong with me? And she just pointed out, you know, what are your, what are those core values? What matters to you? It's that, but it's, it's having somebody, like you said, outside be able to point that out. Cause it's so many times I get the question, well, do you have experience in my industry? Have you coached another marketing firm? Have you coached another technology firm? Whatever. I actually find it a lot better if I haven't had in-depth experience in that industry, because I can ask the dumb questions. So explain to me, why are you doing this? And it just causes you to think it, it, what you're doing may be perfectly right, but it causes you to think through that process again and kind of reevaluate it from a critical standpoint to say, why are we really doing this? Is this the best way to do this? Is this, are we really on target with our goals or our culture or our, our processes or whatever the case may be? It just gets you to kind of step back and think there that it's still your core values. She didn't go change your core values, but just got you to kind of reevaluate them by having that outside question. That's a great point. I, I watch people who are, especially in the trades, you see people in the trades join hire coaches who are specific to the trades. And I'm like, that's great. But do you really want your business to be exactly just a cookie cutter of what the next guy's business is? Work with somebody who's different, who's going to push you and say, well, could you bring this element in? You know, I work with a lot of different, but for you, I work with a lot of different businesses and over here, this guy's doing this. And I know he's a bakery and you're a plumber, but could you both do a similar thing or could you take some of his elements and he takes some of your elements and you guys build something that's completely unique to your industry? Yeah. And you couldn't uh, do that if you were working with someone specific to your area. It really is. And it's on one hand, if you're looking for specific expertise in that area, great, hire that coach. But yeah, for you need somebody outside that can tend to ask you the questions kind of thing. And like you said, bring other ideas. It's we, we look a lot of times the idea of lean processes, lean concepts has gotten to be almost mainstream these days, but that came out of manufacturing. It's like, okay, you wouldn't normally put manufacturing into a software company or into a marketing company, but it's those ideas that they brought over and adapted now is where you start getting that cross-industry pollination. It's like, I always work with uh, clients or customers to say, okay, we need to work on treating your business effectively like a franchise that, okay, if you go into the McDonald's or the Starbucks or whatever, they've got everything systematized, everything's processed, even though you're not looking to franchise your digital marketing firm, the ideas, the concepts are still the same such that you as the owner can step back and you know that, okay, the client onboarding is going to go the same way every time we've got a process defined there. Right. And it's, so it's, it's just, again, it's, it's a completely different industry, but we can still borrow ideas off of that. And that's, there's, there's endless sources out there that just, to, just because it's not another marketing agency doesn't mean we don't look at it or as, as a possible source of ideas. Right. Absolutely. You know, we, um, you said the processes thing and it reminded me, so we do the processes here, but when we started Burgers and Bands for Suicide Prevention, we immediately created processes for there. And we weren't even sure what we were doing there, right? We're not sure what, what are we doing with Burgers and Bands? This is an event that we do. We raise money. Well, then we had a second event last year. It was so easy. We just said, oh, we're just taking these same processes, putting it over here. And now we're creating chapters across the country. And we've got a book that we say, and here you go. This is how you do that, right? So having those processes in place opens up 
opportunities for you that you might not otherwise see. And it's like you said, even if it's just a rough pass that first time around, so you keep refining the process, you keep building on it, but you, it doesn't have to be too many times. I look, I get people that, oh, it's got to be perfect. I got to, I got to document it exactly right the first time. It's like processes should be a living document. It should be keep going right. with that. So I, I like what you're saying about, yeah, you take it from a digital marketing agency into a, a nonprofit at that point. There's still some of the same ideas that we'll still leverage and we'll just go refine it and make it unique to that business at that point, but it's still the same yeah. ideas, same concepts. Absolutely. That's exactly right. So been fun with this. I, like I said, keep always have to watch my time. So I don't keep going too long with these conversations, but always kind of like coming back at the end to say, Hey, looking back five years now with, with the marketing agency or with business in general, entrepreneurship in general, and say, was there anything that you know now that you kind of wish you'd known four or five years ago that might've made things easier? Yeah, you know, and it's gonna sound it's gonna sound funny, but I'm gonna say it anyway. I'm I'm smarter than I thought I was. You know, I started this and I and I said, I don't know anything. I know nothing. But I kept moving forward and I kept trying things. And I think when I say that, we all think we're imposters. And this is something I see across the board, no matter who I'm talking to, they all think that somebody else knows more than they, and there will, there should always be somebody who knows more than you do, yeah. you know, unless you're Elon Musk. And my bet is that Elon Musk is still learning from somebody, right? So we should all still be learning, but we know way more than we think we do. And if we trust ourselves, we can accomplish amazing things. No, I like that. Cause yeah, the, the imposter syndrome side is, is real. I see that all the time. And I, I, I run into myself kind of a thing there. You get into a room of other coaches or a conference or whatever. It's like, wow, so much more experience here. But to your point, I, I don't think you've ever got to have somebody that's an expert over everything, the umbrella bigger than you are kind of a thing. There's right. somebody that's an expert in marketing that I, Hey, I can go learn all kinds of things from you from a marketing perspective that that's, that's just not my area, but I can still learn a lot from, okay, how are you running a marketing agency? What are you doing for marketing? Things like that. So just being out there and networking with peers to me is, is just always open for learning. But yeah, oh, yeah. I, I think that's, I think we've got a lot more expertise a lot of times than, than we, most of us will be willing to realize or recognize. <laughs> right. I think that was about, you know, honestly, just talking to people who said, oh yeah, everybody feels like an imposter. And once you realize that you go, oh, okay. I'm smarter than I thought I was. It's okay. Yeah, or at the very least, huge. the flip side, not not quite as not quite as bad. Quite as dumb as I was. <laughs> Everybody has <laughs> been struggling with this too. I'm not the only one. <laughs> yeah, exactly, exactly. So, thank you so much for this. This was really fun. Yeah, thank you. So, if people want to come learn some more about marketing or get some help with marketing, where's the where's the best way to find you these days? You know, the easiest way, we have two different domains. I'm going to give you the easy one, which is annmarkets.com. So, annmarkets.com. You can find okay. us. It's got an S on the end of the market because we're not a store. We're a marketing company, but annmarkets.com. And you can find me all over the internet as Brennan Annie, uh, Twitter in particular. Okay. Yeah, we'll definitely get all the links in and then Remind me one more time on the, the podcast name. It's been, been too many months here, but yeah, it's uh, Small Business Connections with Ann oh, Brennan. Yes. Okay. Yeah, yeah. And you can get that same, same as yours. You can get it anywhere you listen to podcasts. We're out there. Yeah, no, that was a fun podcast to be on. So we'll, we'll definitely get the links here, but appreciate that opportunity. Appreciate you coming on here as well. Yeah, thank you so much. I appreciate it. All right. Thank you. All right. Thanks for listening to this episode of the Building to Scale podcast. If you would like to share your entrepreneurial business growth story, please visit buildingtoscale.com slash guest. 
If you got something out of this interview, would you do both us and our guest a favor and share it on your social media accounts? Don't forget to hit subscribe in your player so that you don't miss any future episodes and make sure to reach out to Jeff Chastain on any of the major social media networks or check us out at admentis.com.